Hey everyone, welcome back to Class 1A for Episode 7 of Season 5 of My Hero Academia. It is Match 3. Your normal homeroom teacher, Andrew, isn't here today, so I will be your substitute for this week. My name is Dylan, and of course, I am joined by the wonderful James Graham. James, it's a, it's a, it's a two-person episode. We've done these in the past, but it's been a bit. How are you doing this morning? It, it has been a while since you and I have done like a duo episode. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. This was a, this is a good way to start my morning, so... Yeah, I'm uh, yeah, I'm feeling all right, man. We had a very exciting morning of prepping everything. Uh, usually Andrew does it all for us, so we didn't have that convenience. So it was interesting to say the least. It was about 15 minutes of panic <laughs> while we realized <laughs> we should have done this earlier. But, <laughs> but we, we love My Hero and we would not let an episode go through. So we had to do it for all of you. Uh, but before we jump into things, if you are hyped for My Hero like we are, Class 1A is the place to be for a fan of My Hero Academia. So make sure you're subscribed here at YouTube at Class 1A on YouTube. We're on Twitter at Class 1A Pod, or you can email us at contact at poppedoff.com. We read all your emails, and they might even be on the show. So we can't replicate Andrew's wonderful, wonderful recaps, so we're going to go ahead and just hit the big notes as a refresher. Uh, so please bear me, bear with me with this one, but it will, be a, it will be a short one. So we start the episode in the aftermath of the second round battle. 1B is helping 1A, and we get some nice moments here of the classes kind of talking with each other and helping each other out. I think it's like a good reminder that they're not like mortal enemies. They aren't villains or anything like that. They're just students, and at the end of the day, they still have each other's back. We take a quick break to set up the next location. This one is kind of busted and full of mushrooms, so it needs a couple hours to cool down, so to speak. All Might stops by and talks to Deku about his quirk and asks if anything he notices is off about it. We jump and see Momo is the only one who really needs any help from Recovery Girl. Uh, she's kind of just lounging in like uh, the student clinic, just recovering for a little bit, but nothing seems too serious there. Then we jump over to the third match, and it is going to be a good one. It is Shota, uh, Shoto, Ida, Ojiro, and Soji, and the 1B team, we will dive into that in a little bit after the recap. Uh, we hear Ida's brother is actually recovering pretty well. Uh, we get some flashbacks of him just in a wheelchair, so he seems to be up and doing pretty well. Then we go into the fight, and Tetsu Tetsu kicks things off by destroying everything he sees in sight, causing an absolute scene and making Vlad King very disappointed. Then we jump over to Endeavor's POV as he takes down a car villain, I assume, uh, during a team-up. So he's acting a lot nicer towards his fans, and he seems to be focused 100% on just talking with his son again. Then, back to the fight, the teams finally clash with Todoroki, freezing most of 1B, but then we are introduced to Juzo, aka Mudman, who can soften any surface and breaks everyone out of the ice. And then we end with Ida's new move, Recipro Turbo, as he uh, rips out of the ice and starts advancing forward. So, that was a quick, quick recap. Um, I just wanted to kind of hit the, the big notes just as a little bit of a refresher, but we have quite a few things to go into. But the first thing I want to talk about, of course, is Ponies English. It's Ponies English. That's it the first Ponies thing we're talking about. I want to talk about it. <laughs> um, it is, I don't know, I, I, I always find it kind of interesting because whenever they have a character speaking English in an anime, it's never like actual English. Mm. it's always like somebody who like probably doesn't know English and is just like reading off lines, but it's yeah. really weird because like pony as she's talking has an English or like an American accent when she speaks Japanese. Yeah. But like when she speaks English, it is clearly very much not a native 
uh like uh english speaker right like you like because you can just you can tell by how they format the, the like the 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 sentence with the syllables and everything like that it feels very janky you know what i mean so i mean you and i talked about this while we were kind of getting sent like why like why don't we have bilingual actors like why why like voice actors is that something that's super rare like i mean like why kind of shocked it hasn't happened yet right yeah especially since i don't know i think english like japanese english voice actors would be probably easier to get especially if you're a huge anime like my hero right like that doesn't mm -hmm. seem like a you know a, a a very special specialized kind of role that you need to get so i don't know i thought that was really interesting and it also makes me think what is the reverse of that that we just haven't noticed right like what like i don't know maybe like cartoons growing up or anything that like a character spoke a different language that like was actually was, just like not even close it was just butchered and we yeah. just had no idea yeah no that's a that's a good point oh i like it makes you it makes you kind of reflect on the whole the whole scene and the other thing is too is like these these voice actors are not like they're not like one-dimensional like a lot of i'm sure a lot of these voice actors could learn english prominently if they if they needed to and i i guess it's just not a focus i guess i don't know yeah um but i i always thought i thought it was interesting and she is a interesting character, so I definitely wanted to talk about that. Um, but going <laughs> into some of our main topics, um, mm -hmm. let's go ahead and kick it off with, I think, what we, we want to talk about the most, and that is the 1B quirks. So why don't you give us a rundown of them, and then we can kind of break them apart. Yeah, for sure. So we're gonna start off with uh, the one we know, the the you know the evil we know, which is of course Tetsu Tetsu. Its quirk is steel. Um, to our knowledge, there's no been no major change from like the previous iterations we've seen. He's just as strong as he is. Like we saw him breaking apart concrete, no issue there. Um, then we're gonna go into Juzo, aka Mudman. His quirk is softening. Uh, we saw this in the episode to great effect that he is like you can soften anything, including ice, which. I didn't think it was going to happen, but it did immediately. I was like, oh, okay, sick. Um, then we have uh, Sen Kaibera, which is uh, gyrate. So he can gyrate any part of his body. So this just is shown in his, um, you know, in his arms and legs. But we don't know what extent this is. He could turn himself into a goddamn Beyblade. Who knows, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then we have uh, Pony um, Tusatori. I'm going to butcher that name. Uh, and her quirk is Horn Cannon. It's, it's similar to kind of how hawks uses his feathers she just does it with her horns and they're of course much bigger and you see this in the show to basically propelling uh tetsu tetsu and you know able to like manifest several at a time and uh pin shoji so you know you get a nice wide range of quirks i think you get some really like really interesting i think as deku mentioned in the show 1a is kind of more well-rounded i think in team composition but class 1b's quirks are all like very unique and interesting yeah, um, I just like can't help but think how how unique some of these are. And so going back to the last episode, I think mm -hmm. it was pretty clear from the first showings that like um, uh, Kinoko, like her design was made before her quirk was made. Like right. they designed her, put her as a background character, and then was like, "Oh, uh, she can do mushrooms because she didn't mushrooms." Do, yeah, <laughs> so, like she literally didn't do anything in the sports festival, right? And I'm wondering yeah. how true that is for a lot of these other characters, because I could totally see that for Pony as well, of where, like, you make this character that looks like that, and you're like, oh, it's interesting. You could take this quirk in a million different directions, right? Absolutely, yeah. I think I think it's just something they, like, they like. well, we need an exchange student. Let's make her look, like, kind of like a, I don't know, like an ox, but, like, you know, this cute little ox person, right? And we'll just run with it, right? I think, I think another thing is, too, is, like, what they do with the more like planar characters like 
because Kybera is like there's nothing really like stand outish about him until you see him in action. You're like, oh, this guy's got this really weird and unique quirk, right? So I yeah, it, I I don't know if they're almost like afterthought quirks that come in like as the show's kind of progressed, um, and they've kind of put some more thought into like the the intricacies that you can do with quirks, but um, it's I, I it's 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 weird to see that and like how they are represented on the character too, right? Like I mean like. With Pony, it's like it's the horns, but like what you can do with the horns, and with Kybera, it's the same thing. Like in, I don't know, it's just I, I find it really cool. Yeah. Um, and I think we got to talk about Mudman too. We have to talk about Mudman. Mudman is awesome. He's so cool. Like his ability is so cool. And he's uh like I, I think we we were talking about this about the recommendations. We were always trying to figure out who were the people who brought in the recommendations. Mudman's one of them. He's he like Juzo is. One of the ones who got in through Class 1B through recommendation didn't have to do the entrance exam, whatever. He was just, boom, he was in, right? And you can see why. Like, the, like he's not only effective with his quirk, but, like, I mean, they've hammered it home to us in the episode. Like, he is flexible. He is mm-hmm. quick-thinking. He is adaptable. Um, and I think that I think that shows how effective of a, of a hero he is, right? And not only is he flexible, but he's just so cool under the pressure of everything. Like, everything's mm-hmm. happening, and he's, like... He's just like going with it. He's like, yeah, it's no big deal. Um, yeah. His his outfit is incredible too. Like it's oh. so cool. Yeah, his hero costume is spot on. Spot like color combination. The like like I like when I first read through it in the manga, I like forgot who the character was without the costume. Like I forgot like he's got the very iconic like his teeth are like all exposed and stuff like that. Like cuz he's got a very iconic look when you when you don't see him in hero costume and then you see him with it and you're like oh shit like this is the same dude and he just feels so much more badass with like with the hero costume i think yeah absolutely and i i just love tetsu tetsu as well i i'm you glad that we not. get more of him he's just he, he he's just so perfect and i i like his uh differences with like kirishima because you bring the two together and like the whole joke is that they're exactly the same but yeah. i love how they like clearly made it it's like no they're obviously very different like their quirks operate in a similar capacity but they are different and they have like uh i guess like different outcomes and overall like a different personality at this point of the show um and so i'm glad that we're kind of circling back to tetsu tetsu and getting more of him i think i think it was a separation that was needed right because you didn't just want a clone character in class 1b like like uh i find kirishima is very much on like the honor and like manliness kind of side of things and like doing things that are like almost like chivalrous and stuff like that right where tetsu tetsu just does not give a shit he's just like like he i i almost like rope him in more with like bakugo almost at this point as far as personality like i think he's a fine combination of the two which it makes like again makes him his own character right and that's awesome yeah his personality is like a nice bakugo yeah (laughs) yeah exactly which is weird to think about but yeah yeah yeah. and you know i I, i'm always glad that we we kind of get him again um, yeah, but I, I, I don't know. I really like the way that Horikoshi kind of designs his characters of, you know, going back to what I was saying before of kind of creating the characters and putting them in the background and just going, I'll think about quirks about uh, for them later. And I think that's a really good way to approach it because it gave him, you know, how, how many years in like, in, 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 in terms of like the show running or like the manga running for him to like really sit down and then slowly start designing out these characters just for this moment. I think that's super yeah. cool. No, it's it, it's crazy to think about too. And like, <laughs> to me, it's almost like the the UA trader thing where I feel like it's a thing he puts in. He's like, I'll circle back to it. I'll get I'll get back to it. And like, 
And sometimes he doesn't, sometimes he doesn't. But okay, listen, um, listen. Really- <laughs> he always circles back. I, we're gonna get the trader eventually. I I just know it. Okay, yeah, sure, 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 sure. But like uh like you just and you just it's always shocking to me how well he executes these characters that clearly have an initial design and that's it. And then he comes back and he's like, I have now a you know a binder worth of shit we can do on this character, and they're like and it and it just manifests so well. Every one of these characters interests me, Juzo, Kybera, like all of them, man. Like it's it's crazy, like how how effective he makes these characters that are background characters not anymore like as yeah. soon as they're they get some limelight and it's like holy shit and what the really like, cool thing about it is is horikoshi because he's so good at designing characters it would be very easy just to have like new characters constantly come in and be cool and interesting mm-hmm. but the fact that he like does a half design and puts him in the background it doesn't feel like we're constantly getting barraged with like new characters it's like these characters have always existed and it feels like their full design has always existed but just in the background and it makes the world just feel so much more built than it actually was at the start, which is, I don't know, it's kind of cool to like go back and think about like, oh yeah, like most of this stuff was just like background drawings and not really elaborated on or anything. Yeah, it was it, like, it, it, it makes the world feel like, like almost like, uh, like fuller than it is initially perceived to be, right? And I think that really speaks to how effective Horikoshi is. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's like an incredible trait that I don't think a lot of people can duplicate to this effect. Yeah. Um, but is there anything else that you want to talk about with the quirks before we move on? I think I think um, my my big ones. Not so much the quirk, but I do want to just touch on the personalities. I think of the class one B guys, um, Kybera. Like as I've like I because I I I don't know why I don't know why his aesthetic just really did it for me. But I went back and I realized that he always looks kind of like lazy and like laid back and stuff like that. But he's not at all. He's like a stress basket, right? Like, mm-hmm. so um, I thought that was really cool to give like these characters again, like you like you said, like their quirks so much like um, creativity, but their personalities are like they're very unique people as well, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it would be very easy just to like give a lot of these characters like that one dimensional kind of personality trait that is aligned with their quirk, so to speak, um, mm-hmm. and then just like throw them in. But I, I again, I mean, this on, on this podcast, we we. We rise up Horikoshi every time we, we possibly can because he's amazing. But I mean, it yeah. just speaks to, you know, his writing is, is really good on that. It's hard not to. It yeah. really <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> but the next thing I wanted to talk about, because it was just so prominent throughout, is all the flashbacks because we got a ton of flashbacks. And I yeah. wanted to talk about, I guess, what kind of drive us into one of them in particular. And that was what was going on with Ida. So during this uh, during this episode, we saw a couple flashbacks to him talking with his brother and the whole mm-hmm. him taking up the Ingenium uh, mantle, so to speak. And we start hearing about how Ingenium is, or he, he's starting to do a lot better now. You know, he's actually like up. He's not walking. He's still in the wheelchair, but he's actually up now. And then we finally end with what is a kind of gruesome scene. Yeah, like a degree of like self mutilation. Like it. Yeah. Like I was. I was really blown away by it like it, it was it was a lot it was a lot for for you know a show that's you would assume isn't always you know like it's not like a mature show by any means right like i mean this is supposed to be like kind of a kid show right like yeah yeah like it is a kid show but like he was just like ripping so he was ripping out the mufflers in his calves uh yeah. and training without them because the idea is that whenever they grow back they're going to grow back stronger and this was like an a, a, like a technique passed down through the, the the family, I guess. And they finally uh, told Ida about it. 
I, I yeah, and so I think I so there's a couple things about the Ida family that's really interesting to me. The fact that with like you see in a lot of families that the the quirks kind of manifest and tweak in like one way or another, or they're like forced in a direction, like uh, like Todoroki's. Um, Ida's is almost ass backwards, where the family has traditions around the quirk. The quirk is by by seems to be fairly linear. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like, and Ida's learning more quirks from his family, not because he is further down the bloodline. You know what I mean? His quirk hasn't been changing because he's like, um, you talked about this in another video. The oh my god, the the long ass name, the like the quirk, the quirk singularity, the quirk singularity. Yeah, exactly. Right where Ida's not really like his family's not really about that. They're again like i said they're like they're ass backwards right so he's learning stuff that his grandfather did that you know ingenium did and uh yeah now we're seeing Ida do it now he's got these really crazy ass mufflers not like the baby mufflers like he went from stock to aftermarket and like (laughs) and it's uh you know it's pretty crazy to see and actually that makes me think of like kind of a nefarious thought behind that is what if we got kind of the same mentality of the endeavor family Except in the opposite way of instead of trying to like marry and have kids to have these crazy like combination of quirks, does this mean that they have like select um, matchings oh. in their family to limit the quirk? Oh yeah, just to make sure the quirk say, stays like as true to like the original iteration kind of thing. Yeah, like maybe oh. maybe are they only marrying like quirkless people? Because like right, like think about um about Ida's dad right like I think I think they alluded that he was he had the ability as well maybe yeah I think like I think it was not only like like uh his older brother was of course the like the, yeah. the, this iteration's ingenium but I think his father was the ingenium before that and then his grandfather before that I and, think that's and so, how the and so that goes. implies that like whoever they married was either quirkless or the quirk never manifested and I'm wondering yeah. like maybe was that on purpose like was that it, was that a very purposeful thing or like did it just happen this way? Like I don't know. I think I I think that there could be nefarious uh, things behind this. I it's it's weird to think about of like you know it working in the inverse and trying to keep like almost like quirk purity. Like that's it's a really in like it's a really weird concept to think about, right? But I mean, it might have been the case. It doesn't seem like anybody in the family's against it though. Like Edith's mom seems super chill. Like, <laughs> like so I don't I don't know. Maybe everybody's okay with it. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Might not be as nefarious, but I guess there is a decent amount of quirkless people. You might be able to pull it off, mm-hmm. but then you're risking having a quirkless kid. Who knows? So I actually, uh, so one the ability seems to be super cool. It's just mm-hmm. he has bigger mufflers and he can do his uh his, his special move longer now i i guess right let's see that seems to be it it seems to be like it is a degree of a level up um but it's more like the super move was already cra- crazy effective but it was like a one-shot kind of deal right um and then of course this is why juzo was like why did you why did you open with this right you know mm-hmm. what i mean and this is because he can eat it can perpetuate it for 10 goddamn minutes which if you think about it in a battle scenario that is a long long time right yeah. like that is a that's a lot of damage you can dish out because we've seen how effective it is right he like you know he went toe-to-toe with um with stain because of this move right so yeah and i i guess the the flashbacks overall i liked the Eda flashbacks a lot because mm-hmm. they weren't they weren't old flashbacks they were like new flashbacks they're flashbacks <laughs> of things we haven't seen before and i think i liked yeah. that a lot because um, I, I felt myself feeling a little stale on a lot of the flashbacks that we've seen before. Like, a lot of stuff with, like, Shoto, it's like, 
Yeah, I've uh, we, 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 we've, no. we've gotten it. We've, <laughs> we've gotten the Shoto stuff before a million times, but like the Ida stuff was pretty new. Um, and so I don't know. I, I really like that. And I hope I hope they start leaning on that a little bit more. Yeah, they weren't rehashed hashback flashbacks like it like and like I get that you kind of use it to like chew up airtime and stuff like that. But it like it, I think it does take away from like the substance of what the flashback is when you see it so many times. Right. Like, I mean. I'm almost to the point where, of like, as soon as I see like one of these scenes cut in, I'm like, all right, I can actually skip ahead. I know because I like, you know, right? Like, you know exactly what's gonna happen. But with the Edith stuff, like, that is good. That is good stuff. That's the kind of flashbacks you want. Um, I don't think it's necessarily bad to use flashbacks in an episode, but I think they need to be new flashbacks or like maybe drawing back stuff that we like you might not remember as a viewer from like seasons ago and stuff like that. I think that is okay in some circumstances, but what they're doing now is they're like, I, I they're kind of beating the dead horse. Like, and it's just like, okay, we, we know Shoto's got a, a rough deal. Like, you know, like <laughs> he's got a bad time. I think, I think that one specifically though might be again to remind us that Toya exists. Like, I think that might be like you know it might be like a like used for two two twofold kind of thing mm -hmm. so um you know i think it has its place but yeah it did feel like a little little stagnant yeah Stag stagmented yeah so the last thing i want to ask and we don't have to go into this very long because we talked about it quite often i just want to yeah. get another temperature check no no pun intended with that one yeah it's 100 um, a pun <laughs> <laughs> um but endeavor yeah is, is he is he redeemable is he doing a good job is he is he doing a bad job? But how do you feel? I mean, he's doing everything he can. Like, I mean, uh, our, our our boy has a lot to atone for. Um, you <laughs> actively trying to reach out to his kid, like literally just like double, triple texting him, just trying to get a hold of him. I guess he like found his account on some social media platform through the help of somebody too, which I thought was hilarious. What social media do you think it is? <sighs> See, like Todoroki doesn't. Like I don't know what he would have. he would have like he would have like a Vizco or something like that and that's it like that's all he would have I don't think he'd have like a Twitter a Facebook like <laughs> I I have the correct answer I actually do know what the correct answer. it's Line he's just talking about Line is that it yeah because that that's how it? that's how you text people so it's just wow. Line wow yeah sorry okay. to let let you down but I see I, I want I want to like headcanon this but <laughs> so I actually I don't know I I feel weird about whenever Endeavor does this kind of stuff, because, like, I understand, like, wanting to be redeemed or whatever, but it feels like he's, like, I was nice to some civilians. Time to text my son, and hopefully he <laughs> replies to me. It's like, sure, sure, give it time. Like, give it some time. Yeah. Like, it, it feels like he's, like, I want to be redeemed, and then the next day he's, like, hey, I'm trying to be redeemed. Talk to me, please. <laughs> like, he needs to give it some time. But I think that makes this the character that much more tragic, is that he doesn't know how to, like, properly traverse this right he has no really idea on how to like um even ask for forgiveness he doesn't really know how to do it right so he's just trying everything right so i think that makes it all, all kind of more sad like that it's kind of this approach um because he just seems so out of touch right like he really does feel very removed and he's just trying everything that he knows he's done wrong previously and flipping it right mm-hmm super nice to the kids you know um just blowing up his son trying like it's not it went from no contact to like all the contact in the world you know what i mean so i think i you know is he is he redeemable yet to be seen is he trying hell yeah he is <laughs> <laughs> all right so i i want to i want to end our topics with with another question okay so based on the state of the match so far mm. and how well, everyone's power level who yeah. is your money on for next week? What team? 
it's i mean it's difficult because you can i me personally i can you can never you can never count todoroki out you never can he's a goddamn wild card it's ridiculous right but mudman's effectiveness like i mean you, like so the shitty part is and he's like my favorite character in the show i bring him up all the time shoji is great at scouting goddamn is he bad at everything else though, yeah right? he is. He like, and he looks like he should be able to beat the shit out of somebody, but he can't, right? And he's just in a really, really effective scout, right? Um, so I feel like it's almost like a degree of a liability. Um, or Jiro is already, as you've seen, like he's getting held at bay by Kybera just because of how his quirk operates, right? You're not just hitting somebody, you're hitting somebody and digging into them like nobody's business, right? So he almost is losing that. And now you have Todoroki in a hand to hand combat situation that. We, like, he's pretty effective at long range and like medium range, but somebody trying to actually beat the crap out of him, we haven't really seen how he does, right? And Tetsu Tetsu's like, like as we ended the episode, he's already on top of him, right? So I don't know how that transitions. And I mean, not to not to play into the 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 episode preview too too much, but we see a flaming red like hot Tetsu Tetsu. So like God knows, like like who wants to who wants to fight that? Who wants, who wants to- fight that man so i i i personally i want to put it on 1b like mm-hmm. and that's me that's me betting against my boy man like it's it's it but i think it is like i think it's gonna be a shit show either way i i i, I, I think i have it on 1b as well mostly because of the interaction between uh mudman and pony i think that combo mm-hmm. is so deadly of just being able to like um you know soften the ground so you can't move on it and then have something that could like fly around and even pick up your teammates and move them around the battle. Like yeah. that seems like a combo that's like almost unbeatable. But like you said, like you can't count Todoroki out because like he could just go like full like you know uh, kind of like shonen mode and just like j- just do hellfire everywhere or whatever from Endeavor yeah. and like everyone just dies or something. You're like okay, oh, cool. Exactly. Like I mean, Todoroki is one of the few characters in the show that like. Like it's a common trope to do like the Super Saiyan kind of thing that like that really blatant level up. But he's he is the character in the show. He literally goes Super Saiyan. Him and Deku are people that literally go Super Saiyan sometimes. Exactly. Deku, right? Deku more so because of the hair, but the hair goes right. Like I mean, I think Baka goes in a perpetual state of Super Saiyan too. So like I mean, like it's yeah. Like but like he is one of like these big three people that we think are going to come out of this uh, out of my hero and be like these crazy heroes, right? So I, I I it's so hard to bet against him. Yeah. All right. So it is that time of the week again. Um, it is time for the Plus Ultra Award. For those who don't know, Plus Ultra is every single week we give an award to someone who went above and beyond for this week. At the end of the season, we're going to tally them up and tell you who went Plus Ultra the most. And we will make sure to get Andrews in a little bit late um, onto mm-hmm. this one, but we will get his in. So I'll go ahead and start with you, James. Who do you think? Went oh, plus well, I mean, like, of course you're going to start with me. I mean, I <laughs> can start with first... me, but I guess you could just like, yeah, that's true. I could... Um, I, you know what? I, I, I wanted to give it to like one of the guys from class one B because like, it's the first time we've seen their skills, but like, I mean, like, like that doesn't really embody plus ultra. So I think it's gotta be Ida. I think it ha- kind of has to be Ida. We have we have like we have a definitive plus ultra situation. Man does goes above and beyond. He's like he's down and out kind of thing. And then he's got that rise up. You know, you get the crazy flashback of all this crazy ass self mutilation that he did to be better. I think it's Ida. I think it's got to be Ida. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty pretty obvious that it's Ida. Um, 
I don't know the the flashbacks really solidified it for me and like yeah. him being able to use his like new ability and and like you said like the the weird self mutilation uh, training <laughs> he went through which I don't know when what, what like what when did he have time to do that I don't know because he's in a forest by himself <laughs> like no, no, he's in a forest by himself but like they've had dorms did he just like leave for a week and it's like all right guys I'm gonna leave and just go in these woods for a bit. And uh, like, that's something that like some asshole like Deku would notice. He'd be like, "Hey, you know, notice your mufflers are gone. What's the what's the deal there, dude?" I, I notice you're bleeding from the holes in your leg. What's up? <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's like he must have. I don't know. Maybe he took leave. I guess. Maybe I, I have no idea. I, I, I think we okay. We need to break down the timelines. Figure out where everyone was at at all points in time. <laughs> figure out when they went home. When they didn't go home. Um, I, I'm actually thinking it might have been before they went to the dorm. Well, no, that doesn't make sense either. No, it doesn't. It had to have been after the dorms. Like, I mean, like what? I I really don't know where to pinpoint this in the in this the show. Like when he would have done this? Were they in the dorms after midterms? D is that? It I mean, it, it depends like, on like maybe the they school? had a Christmas break or a, a summer break. Oh, they have summer break. So maybe during like a summer break or something. But do we know that they just came back and did this like training arc like at the, right at the beginning of the semester? I guess they because because right now it's like the we're in the fall ish time. We are because that's why we get like all the costume different changes and stuff like you must have a summer break, right? Like that has to be it. Yeah. Yeah. So I get it had to have been during the summer break. OK, and he's just. Yeah. OK, we'll we'll investigate this. We're yeah, going to we're going to. Yeah, we'll, we'll get our we'll, people, we'll get our people on it. Yeah, we're going to get a graph. It's going to be great. All right. So thank you all so much uh, for listening or watching this week's episode of the Class 1A podcast. Um, if you're not already subscribed, please subscribe so you're in the know for all the hype content we release. We release a ton of content. So if you go to youtube.com slash class 1A, uh, I think at this point we have like three videos a week around My Hero. So if you are a My Hero fan, Class 1A is the place to be. So make sure that you're following us and we will catch you all next week for episode 8. Thank you all so much.